Yeah, look, we don't, we're not into the hype. Like right now, everything's about the work, and it will be when we get to training camp. It goes back to what I said. We got a brand new team that we got to build from the ground up again. Uh, yeah, we've got a foundation, but yet, man, the, we got to get the chemistry right. We got a lot of new faces. Um, and all of that other stuff won't matter if we don't put the work back in. So that, that to me is the focus. I mean, we can't worry about what everybody else says, you know, just like last year, you know, um, we can't worry about when you lose five in a row that, that you're back in the dumpers again, because if you do that, then you won't win another game. Uh, and it's the same thing here. If we're going to really buy into that and not put the work in, no, we'll get our ass kicked. So, uh, that's not what we're going to do. All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I am Kyle Mankey, joined by Ben Raven as always. We are the Lions Beat uh, here at MLive. That was, of course, Dan Campbell. <laughs> Speaking as only Dan Campbell does on the very first day of the open um, OTAs, it's the first full squad practices of the year, the first opportunity to take a peek at the new team. Uh, ben, I mean, I think it's safe to say that the, the the work is already underway, but it seems to me like the vibes are pretty high in, in Allen Park as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dan Campbell laid it out right there for us. I mean, they're, the tone hasn't changed. I mean, he's got to be like the most honest coach on the face of the earth, I feel like. He, he, <laughs> he just doesn't BS. He just does not BS you. He's not going to BS the fans. He's a straight shooter, and I just... I just, for some reason, the quote pajama party just popped through my head in the middle of that sentence. I started laughing. And now here we are, two days of, you know, pajama party. I just love how he views these days while also being like, it's time to freaking go, man. Like, pajama party or not, like, there is work to be done and it's it's time to roll right now. I don't care what people are saying. <laughs> Well, I've been on this beat for a decade now. Yeah, I'm I'm old. I've got the gray hairs to show it. <laughs> um, I've never seen anticipation for a season like this one, even when they were coming off 11 and 5 back in 2015. Like, hopes were high, but this is something different. Yeah. So blocking out the noise is going to be something that we're going to hear a lot about because there's so much noise and going into the Kansas City game – uh, to open the season, it, it's just going to ratchet up the volume and their ability to to get in the work and to pick up where they left off last year and not to to you know soften with their own hype uh, is going to be an ongoing storyline as they do get back to work for the first time. They had rookie mini camp last week. OTAs got underway this week. We were out there on Thursday. Ben, we'll have some good observations here um, from what we saw. In the first open workout, we got some reader questions. There are some changes to the to the DoD uh, program that we want to get into too. Um, that we're real excited about. One is we have uh, a new producer on board, uh, Patrick Shea, who is um, in his first week here at M Life. Excited to get rolling with him. He'll have something of an on air role going forward, and and going to have a lot of cool. I think just uh, new production value with with the program here, and we're just. <laughs> uh, Excited to get rolling with that. Ben, there's also a new way to hit us up. And, and we got some mailbag questions coming uh, from Subtext, which is a new thing we're rolling out here at MLive. Um, I don't know. You've prepared some notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we launched the Dungeon of Doom Insider Text this last week. And it's exactly what it sounds like. You're going to be sending messages. You're going to be getting broadcasts from Kyle and I and Corey Woods eventually once he's back from paternity leave. Like, 
And it's not a group chat. Like we're messaging you. You're getting the message sent to you individually. You reply to us. We're going to reply to you like one-on-one. We've already been doing it all week. And I've been kind of crazily super impressed by the conversations I'm already having. But you can join that. You get a 14-day free trial. After that, it's $4.99 a month at join subtext S-U-B-T-E-X-T dot com slash Dungeon of Doom. And that's a 14-day free trial, $4.99 a month after that. I mean, you enter your phone number or an email address. You get text from us. And like I said, like you're getting text from us. And when you text back, it's one-on-one, like you're, you're straight into Kyle and I's inbox. And it's, I mean, we're, we're planning some cool stuff with it. I mean, I'm already kind of, I mean, for being, for it being May in the NFL off season, I'm kind of impressed how it's already rolling, but uh, I, I think we're going to really get some cool stuff there. And we're going to marry that here with the Dungeon of Doom podcast as best as possible. I think if I was sitting at home or in my car right now or whatever, listening to this pod, I'd be like, okay, great. Like we're getting hit over the head with an ad now. And I just, we're not going to dwell too much on this, but I did want to say like, I'm I'm also impressed. Like it's kind of like taking some of the best parts of Twitter where we're seeing texts come in in real time uh, with questions about the team and and you get kind of a feel for where people are at. We can text people back. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, uh, and, and like you said, two week free trial, so you can just try it out. And Ben, here, right out of the gate, we have some questions that have already come in via the Lions subtext um, out of OTAs. And so we can dive into that um, from uh, Chris from SC asks, I want the Nuggets on our secondary. Who's making the plays out of our new additions? Who will make the quickest impact? And I, I chose that one for, I pulled that one out first. I think that's going to be one of the biggest storylines that we that we see unfold here. I mean, just, I don't know about you, but like when I looked at the field yesterday and there's so much going on, I was looking at my roster every three seconds, like, oh yeah, okay, who, who's number one again? Who's number two again? Like, like there's so many new numbers just flying around. And when I say that, then I, I stress the word flying. And listen, it like Dan said, it's a pajama party. Pajama party. <laughs> I have seen good and bad things throughout the summer program that then the season hits and they 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 were nothing burgers. <laughs> um but I will say it looked to me like the secondary was faster and more athletic and they're in shorts, they're not hitting each other. I, I know that those are all the all the usual caveats apply, but man, like I just feel like the upgrade there is inevitable over what they had last year with Mike Hughes. Jeff Okuda, AJ Parker, like some of these guys that were running out there at corner, you know, Jerry Jacobs uh, was on the roster, but wasn't healthy at this time last year. Now Jerry Jacobs is the only guy from last year on this team <laughs> at cornerback and everyone else is new and it's, it's legit dudes from other places. It's Cam Sutton, it's Cedar Garner Johnson, which we'll have more thoughts on in a second. Um, and you know, Emmanuel Mosley was out there and he did some walkthrough with the first team, but he still come back from the ACL. So didn't do the team stuff. And when he came off the field, it was Jerry Jacobs who played very well. I thought down the stretch last year and should factor into the rotation as well, even if he doesn't. No, absolutely. And I mean, the first thing you just noticed from Cam Sutton and this is he's the loudest player on the field. I mean, that dude is shouting. He is involved. I mean, I think him and Tracy Walker, once they get back on the field together, are going to be like a really nice, just like kind of organic leadership duo back there. But I'll say this about Gardner Johnson, pajama party or not, that dude's got some burst, some explosion in his step. Cause you said it flying around that dude, just bam. I mean, I think he was playing mostly at safety yesterday, but I mean, Aaron Glenn gave us a little nuggets on his role. And I think that's going to work perfectly for him bouncing between the nickel and the uh, safety spot. But uh, like you said, it's, it's looking good. And 
I mean, even, I don't know, <laughs> Colton Pouncey and of the Athletic and I were joking back and forth. Man, if he looks good. I wonder if that's just the new number change, dropping the 26 to number six. <laughs> well, I'll add, I also made the joke to, to someone else that, uh, like, so he, he's got a new number. He's number six. Uh, I think it's his third jersey number. I, he might have more jersey numbers than games played at this point in his career. And <laughs> I don't mean that in a mean way, but I kind of do. Like, he, he, listen, he's a monster in terms of his physique. Yep. he's been a monster since the day he came in he looked like he was chiseled out of like a rock from like uh greece or something you know i mean <laughs> this guy uh looks the part he has never played the part and um now they've brought it like like they've re-signed tracy they've drafted kirby joseph um they've they've signed now uh garner johnson um you know, it, it's going to be an uphill slog for Iffy to even make this team. Yep. And he was a third round pick. He was the first return from the Matthew Stafford trade. I just think at this point, like it's it's time for him to go or or uh, he might be out of a job come from training camp. Um, I will say with regard to, to Gardner Johnson, I'm in terms of all of the like free agent additions and maybe even the draft picks, I'm just on a personal level, really intrigued to see what this guy brings to the defense. Like Ben, there are better like talents at safety in the league, but this guy is a really good talent. And I think he just brings something very tangible, very real. He elevates the bar across the defense because of his demeanor, his, his mentality. And again, We've only seen one day. They've only practiced three days in all. So, but like just based on track record, and this guy was in New Orleans for three years um, in kind of a slot safety hybrid role. He, he was an enforcer back there. He was a hard hitter. Uh, Aaron Glenn, who was on the staff with the Saints during those years, came to Detroit and for years now has been holding up Garner Johnson as the paragon of what it means to be a defensive back in his system. He turned here due to his relationship with Aaron Glenn. And Aaron Glenn um, spoke before practice and said that basically Garner Johnson, although he was very good in a safety role last year in Philly, will revert basically back to his role from his New Orleans years in Detroit as a hybrid slot safety. With um, Tracy Walker not participating yet, he was running on the side, but not participating in team stuff. Um you know, we saw a lot of Gardner Johnson in the back ends alongside Kirby Joseph, uh, getting some reps back there, learning the scheme and system back there. But he's eventually going to move into the slot more. And man, like him with Cam Sutton, uh, with Manuel Mosley, who was a really good, I think one of the best, most underrated corners in the league during his time in San Francisco. If he could stay healthy, he would have been more, more highly regarded. Um, and then you have Jerry Jacobs, their best guy from last year, probably coming off the bench. Like, listen, Jerry Goff struggled when we were out there, Ben. But, like, when you look at the upgrades in the secondary, maybe it's just the secondary is that much better. No, I think so, too. And it was kind of like, man, uh, the defense uh, definitely looking quite improved to this point, for sure. But, yeah, I, to the point on Tracy Walker, he's not participating yet. But I will just say this. For someone that's seven months removed from an Achilles surgery – I had my doubts. I had my doubts, and it had nothing to do with Tracy Walker. And he's pretty defensive about the topping, but I don't blame him. But I'll just say it right now. I'm shocked 
by what he was doing yesterday, period, even away from the team, running on the side, like actually running. I'm not talking about jogs up and down the sideline. I'm talking about running and turning. He's got one more meeting with a surgeon coming up, but he's he expects full, full fully unleashed for training camp. And based on what I saw yesterday, I would uh, green light approve that message right there. Yeah, no doubt. At, at this time last year, Jeff Okuda, who suffered an Achilles the year prior, same range in the season too. He was doing some stuff on the side doing OTAs, but it looked like a guy who was like dipping his toes into physical activity. Um, and it looked like he was turning toward training camp availability and he was available for the first day of training camp, but he was still working his way back even then. Like, like it was like maybe yeah. two, three weeks into training camp. I think it was in Indy for those joint practices before he looked really started to look like himself. I would say Tracy looked like himself yesterday and him yeah. not participating um, and doing that stuff on the side was really precaution more than anything. He, I agree with you. He was running hard, uh, cutting hard. I mean, he looked uh, great. He looked much further along than I expected. I think at this point, it's really fair to expect Tracy Walker to be available and, and full go uh, week one for the, for the season opener. Let's get to our, our next uh, reader question from Subtext uh, from Dean Price. Dean wants to know, is Levi Anzarike going to work out during this OTA? Personally, I can't ever see him coming back and being effective. Back injuries can be uh, devastating. What were your observations from from Levi? He was out there, but um, not practicing. Yeah, uh, no helmet on. I, he was kind of going through the motion, kind of doing like the dummy drills as like the defensive line when the ball would get snapped, like he would kind of like fire up into his stance. But I mean, I think he was doing some jogging with the team too, but no helmet on. He's he's not out there yet. And I mean, Aaron Glenn, I mean, it, it's the same answer we've been getting for a year. We we don't have an answer for you until we get him on the field. And I mean, this, this question sounds like a loyal Dungeon of Doom listener because that's what we've been saying for about eight months. I mean, Levi, it feels like the roster and the timeline are just stacked against him right now. I agree with you. And he was a good player at Washington. That's why they took him in the second round. But I do wonder, almost like I wondered with Jeff Okuda last year, it's like even when you get healthy, at what point have you missed so much time since you were last good that you continue to be good? Like I, I just wonder about the the um, diminishment of his skill set at this point, yeah. let alone the back, which um, – you know, to the reader, uh, is, to his credit, like he's right. Like the, the, the back injuries you never know about in the NFL. I mean, uh, Vitae, uh, is coming back from one of his own and, and we'll see on that front and we'll get into that in a bit, but, um, you never really know on the physical front, even if he does get healthy, Ben, can he stay healthy? I think those are high bars to clear. And even, even if he clears them, it's been now like three years since he was an impact player at any level. And that level was not the NFL. Every time Aaron Glenn or Dan Campbell or Brad Holmes is asked about Levi Anzarike, I hear the same tenor from them, which is, we'll see, but we're not counting on it. They have not used those words, but that that's the message that I hear from those guys is that, you know, like he's on the team. If he gets healthy and he gets out there and makes plays, then we can tell you more about him. But until then, I don't think they're counting on him. And I think the way they went about um, free agency says that uh, resigning Isaiah Bugs and some of these other guys. Um, you have John Kaminsky who can rotate in. I, I just think that they have now prepared for life without Levi Anzarike. It wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't on this team come September, which would be a major bust as a second rounder heading into year three. But like he hasn't, I, I think he has 
two quarterback hits, maybe, maybe, maybe not even that many. And he was supposed to be this interior pass rusher. Like it's, it's just, he's been a non-entity. And I think that's what they're kind of planning on at this point with, uh, with Levi, which I think is appropriate given the, yeah the injuries, like the stack of injuries, by the way. I mean, it's just been a one back injury after another three yeah, now, thir- I think in all yeah. um, since college. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, a 300 pounder. He hasn't, I mean, he played 16 games at 2021, but like he also missed the 2020 opt-out season too i mean this guy has played 16 games since 2019 so it's just like yeah we've said it <laughs> so joe maloney um asks uh, i'm interested in big v which is hello pretty very vitae nice good work <laughs> that's a mouthful as i told my editor i wish i got i wish i got paid by the character <laughs> every, every time i have to write that uh Joe is interested in Big V. It doesn't hardly seem like he's played at all since he was acquired from Philly. I'm glad they signed Glasgow back. He's excellent insurance. Uh, keep up the work. Good work, Benny boy. Benny boy. There you go. <laughs> you know, Big V was was out there uh, after not playing at all last year. And it's been really fascinating to see the prize of the Lions offensive line. I think it has become one of the best in the league, which was an expectation for the past couple of years. But they've done it without their starting five. They have not played a snap with their starting five on the field uh, on the offensive line since 2020. Ridiculous. (laughs) So ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And it's still become, uh, uh, you know, one of the best in the league, which is a testament to the um, talent acquired by uh, Brad Holmes and even Bob Quinn. Right. Bob Quinn drafted Taylor Decker, brought in Glasgow mm-hmm. originally, signed Faitai. Um, Brad Holmes has continued to to, to pile onto it, notably with uh, Panay Sewell. I think he's just on the verge of becoming a monster. Um, but they have not had that starting five on the field. And that last year was due to Big V suffering a back injury in like the week leading up to the opener, which is exactly what happened to Taylor Decker the previous year. It's going to run a bad luck for that offensive line. Big V, I caught up with him after after practice. He basically, you know, he's a he's a Texas boy. Went to TCU. He bought a ranch. You know, after he's, he signed his big contract with the Lions, I, I think he said it was like maybe 200 acres or so outside of Houston. And he basically went back to his ranch at, you know, with the back injury. You know, when guys suffer these long term injuries, right? Like sometimes they leave the team. They're not even like in 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 Detroit. That can be a hard thing for a guy. And it was for Vitae. He really it felt like retirement to him, like an early version of retirement. Um, and he realized he wasn't ready for retirement and he's back in Detroit, a few more gray hairs. He's got a new contract, which makes this a contract year for him. Um, so it's a big year for him in his career. And I think the lions, you know, it's, it's almost like Levi where they're like, they're hopeful to get something out of him. Um, certainly more hopeful they are with big V than they are with Levi. Um, but like they've also made contingency plans for him if he gets hurt again or isn't the same player. Um, they brought in Graham Glasgow in free agency, which is a really good ad. He was a good player here across the interior um, in his first stint in Detroit. Uh, we saw him play at all those interior spots. Uh, I, I think he's most likely to play at right guard this year um, if he's able to beat out Vitae or if Vitae has more injury issues. Uh, in the first open OTA, Glasgow was at center because Frank Ragnar was taking the day off with his toe thing and and whatnot, which is some just some general maintenance I think we'll see throughout the year with with Frank. So with Frank having the toe injury that he played through last year uh, and throughout the last couple of years, and the back injury with Vitae and some questions there, I think I think Glasgow is like a really key signing bent to have a guy who has starting experience across the interior. Can play he can play any of those positions. Um, I think he's most likely to play at right guard, but 
like we saw him at center and it was seamless um, this week. Yeah. And I mean, we said it last week on last week's pod after you went out and had that nice, awesome chat with Frank Ragnow, but like this lion's top six, like I put it right up there with like the Eagles. Like I'm probably going to blink on a couple right now, but that top six is just hard to top right there. And I mean, you talk about Graham Glasgow. I was a big fan of Evan Brown's game and what he brought to this team, but Glasgow is an upgrade over that. I mean, at center and at guard, I think. I mean, even in his age 30 or age 29 season last year, Glasgow was forced inside for 600-plus snaps at center last season. I mean, the guy has just remained durable and versatile outside of that bad ankle injury in Denver. I mean, the guy is just an absolute workhorse, and I just think whether it's Big V or filling in for Frank, because, I mean, like you said right there, I mean, get used to Frank Ragnow not practicing for, like, a long time with that toe. I mean, that's just going to – he's proven who he is, but – uh Graham Glasgow, I mean, that's just a beautiful way to upgrade that offensive line. And just, um, there's some big dudes out there. I'll give Ryan Swab- Swoboda a shout out at 6'9", 330. Just a mountain of a man out there. But absolutely, the just uh, the strength of the team. And I, I, I find that really fascinating how many of those guys were brought in by the previous regime as he laid out. But um, yeah, Glasgow, that's just, uh, I, I, I found it hard to believe they were going to upgrade over Evan Brown. And they did. Yeah, I just, I think Evan Brown was a good player. But I think Glasgow is is probably as good even at this stage of his career. Uh, he's 30 now, which is strange because I remember when he was drafted. <laughs> In fact, I covered Glasgow when he was a walk-on at Michigan. <laughs> like yeah, I was just, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I've, I've actually made the joke to Graham because he was, I mean, he literally, like he's a pretty talented high school player, but he was literally a left tackle playing in a right tackle stance going into his senior year in high school. So you can imagine like he was not recruited. He wanted to play at Ohio State as a walk-on, and then Jim Trestle got fired. So, like two weeks before going to campus, um, he he switched his uh, walk-on commitment to, to Michigan. Didn't know anybody. Didn't know the coaches. Uh, he comes in. And I was covering the team that year. This must have been 2012, probably. And uh, and I make the joke with him, like I, I covered that team. It was my job to know everything about that team, and I had no idea who he was. <laughs> and now here he is, like uh, I don't know eight seven-year vet maybe i don't know but he's been around a long time 30 now but even at the stage of his career ben he's um i think a good fit for this team because of the versatility and some of the you know injury implications the line that you know the lions have uh at that position uh you mentioned mountain men like big big dudes out there uh joe maloney also asked about broderick martin and i just want to shout out broderick martin because he is a literal mountain out there um He's got some things to learn with pad level and other uh, techniques of the position, which you'd expect from a guy who played his high, you know, his, his college ball. At, it was North Alabama, right? And then, and then Western Kentucky, like yeah, yeah. So a guy like that, I mean, it's obvious he's going to have stuff to work on. He was pretty universally regarded as like a seventh round pick, um, kind of range, maybe a UDFA, maybe sixth round. Uh, he told a great story last week about how like they were setting up his draft party at the hotel when the lions called, like he was <laughs> that for the next day's party, like day three. Uh, and instead I got drafted on day two, it really caught him off guard. Um, for a guy like that, Ben, like he, he's clearly got stuff to work on. And he does like, you know, yeah. it, it, he was buried down the depth chart with the reserves and um, you can see he plays pretty high. Uh, he's got stuff to work on, but they really believe in the skill set, the physical yeah. traits, uh, the explosion at his size. Uh, and they think the things they see wrong with his game are all teachable. I don't know if he'll start out of the gate. That seems like maybe a tall hill to climb in the next 
three months or two months or whatever it is until the opener. Um, but I think you're going to see him eased into the rotation yeah. this year, and he'll be a uh, you know a regular in the rotation by by season's end. Yeah, when I went into that practice looking for him, and I was like, oh, I totally understand the tabbing of PFF's poor man Jordan Davis. Like this guy's arms are insane; he's just giant. But yeah, like to your point there, I think. Isaiah Bugs wasn't at practice yesterday, but I would kind of expect Bugs and Martin to hold down that nose roll. And I mean, we talked about Aleem McNeil. He talked to us a couple of weeks ago about changing his diet and his workout routine. And I'll say this, there's a lot less bowling ball to Aleem McNeil's figure. I mean, I'm not going to, it's, it's greatest shape of my life season for sure this <laughs> time of year, but like he, he looks trim. He looks lean enough to make me think that McNeil might be their like three tech guy moving forward as like his job, especially when you look at the size on the inside of Broderick Martin and bugs and Benito Jones wasn't out there yesterday either, but he's back. And I mean, there's some bodies there, but, uh, it's going to be hard to keep Roderick Martin off the field for too long. Just kind of like if he can start cleaning some of that stuff up, that is a, that is a potential body mover on the inside. I, I've just, I've been around too long, Ben, to book, to, to buy any stock and do anyone saying best shape of my life. I just, it goes in one year. No, the other. If he even said it, I didn't even hear it because I just, he didn't say it. He <laughs> just said he was trimming up. I was just saying it's best shape of my life season. I, he said it two weeks ago and I looked at him and I was like, you know what? There's less bowling ball to the figure. He's definitely a little leaner, but uh, it's also May 25th. Uh. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> So just one last quick question from Jared Eisenlor, and it's not really OT related. I just wanted to throw it out there because I know a lot of people have it. Jared asks, any idea when the Lions will unveil their new helmet for this year? I think it's going to be here real soon, in the next couple of weeks. I don't think it, you have to wait too long to, to hear on that. Let's get into some more observations from we we saw. Uh, I just want to like get to like my favorite player that I saw out there yesterday. I'm on Ross St. Brown. You can... You can set your watch to what what you you're, you're gonna see from that guy. It, it, listen, Jared Goff struggled. There was a lack of uh, I would say timing and rhythm from the first team offense, and it's May 25, so maybe you expect that kind of stuff. You, you do expect that kind of stuff. Um, Jamison Williams, who we'll get to more in a bit, was flying all over the place and then dropping footballs. You know, like there like there was some issues, and then there was Amon Ross St. Brown catching every damn ball thrown into his zip code, every single one of them. And one of my favorite plays, I think one of the biggest plays of the whole day, they were doing, they didn't do a lot of situational stuff. It was kind of just, you could really tell they were feeling each other out and um, installing some scheme and whatnot. But they did do one situational period where they were backed up against their own end zone. And (laughs) St. Brown put a little juke on Will Harris, who was playing in the slot, and then just, turned on the afterburners and man, like the catch and run, like he, he didn't stop running for like 50 yards. I mean, it was a, it was a huge play and a good play. And it was the sort of thing we've seen so much from St. Brown. And then Ben, after practice, we talked to a bunch, I mean, it was a long, long practice, first of all. And then we talked to a bunch of players. We're coming off the field. There's one guy left on the field. It's like at least an hour after practices ended, maybe more. And it's just douche. Douche, douche. You can hear the sound of the jugs machine. Douche, douche. Like, like just repeatedly. And then a catch with the hands and it's Amon Ross St. Brown. Shirtless, by the way, and looking like he he too was cut from like a stone from the heavens. I mean, uh, the dude, he's just a monster. And, uh, you know, if he has a big year this year, he could be headed with the way receivers get paid. 
I mean, he's gonna yeah. be like he's gonna be swimming in cash like Scrooge McDuck uh, <laughs> next year, possibly. And I just like that whole like thing feels inevitable to me because he's just such a good player. He doesn't need motivation, but like now he has extra motivation too with the contract year looming and stuff. Um, and you see him putting in the work. You see him with the hands. Like the, the, he's on the precipice of stardom. I, I feel very comfortable saying that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and whenever whenever you have a star who's working his ass off like he's the last player on the tryout list, like that that's the guy that this freaking fan base is going to like rally around. You've already seen it. And just to add to that point, we did five very spaced out interviews after a two-hour practice. I mean, probably an hour, hour and a half after practice ended, we're walking inside. And that is when he is catching jugs on the machine. I know that's what he gets paid to do, but just to reiterate, the last person on the field and uh we did get a peek at the other wide receiver that everybody's wondering about, Jameson Williams. And to your point, that 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 dropped ball. That dropped ball. I will give Nate Sudfield some freaking props because he threw an absolute rope of a laser downfield, yeah. down the down the seam, right down the middle. I mean, Jameson had a guy on his hip and a guy coming over, the safety coming over, but ball on hands, that's a touchdown. I mean, you expect your first round pick to make that play. But, yeah, I just thought it was a beautiful throw, and it's just like this is what we have seen from Jamison at practice now, Like, and that's pretty much all we've seen since he got here is struggles making those plays, and that's all we have really to base him on right now. I, I agree. So, first of all, Nate Sudfeld, like we didn't really get a good grapple on what he is last year because he didn't come in until after roster cutdowns going into the regular season. The Lions cut their two guys that were in camp for the backup job. So we really didn't get a feel for his game. And he threw that ball to JMO and I saw JMO drop it. Um, and I'm writing my notebook, you know, JMO dropped another drop pass. Like, you know, it was kind of a theme that we saw last year in practice. Um, and needs to work on his chemistry with golf. I literally wrote that in my notebook and I look <laughs> up and it's, it's Nate Sudfeld, but the ball was so deep and so on point. Mm -hmm. And like, it was, it was like I think he's got more game than I gave him credit for, because um, I don't I don't think he threw a pass in a game last year either, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I think he just annealed it down. Yep. <laughs> but that being said, Ben, I think the the story there obviously is JMO. JMO's going to have um, some consequence on this team this year once he's able to to hit the field in week seven. He's out the first six games because of um, the the gambling suspension. That hurts the offense. Yeah. Yeah, speed is undeniable. Like, just honestly, one of the biggest treats. It's like it's like eating ice cream when I go out to practice. Just watching that guy run. I, I've been I've been covering NFL athlete athletes for for ten years, and I've seen some crazy ones, including Calvin. Calvin was here my first three years on the beat. Watching Calvin every day in practice, I've always said was one of the greatest thrills of my professional career to be able to stand ten feet away from a singular athlete and watching the things that he can do and make them look routine was just it's truly mind-boggling like wow. he looks amazing on tv but you can imagine what it looks like standing 10 feet away from that guy as a mere mortal <laughs> <laughs> jameson's way different he's a wiry twitchy athlete but like the way he runs reminds me a little bit of that awe factor and i think even his mm -hmm. teammates have it the way he, they talk about him that he's going to be a monster and a superstar and he's got he, he, the, the way he can electrify the offense and this was a top five offense before he was even out there and they're still talking about this guy, like he's going to totally transform what, what, what they are. And he has that potential, but Ben, he needs to be on the field. Like mm -hmm. it, there's so much more to being a receiver than running real fast and running real fast is his superpower, but he has to do other things to be 
an NFL receiver and he struggled with those things down the stretch last year when he finally did practice and finally did play yeah. and he missed so much time with the ACL that was easy to understand, easy to excuse. Um, you know, we saw some more stuff like that in practice yesterday. And I think his route running has improved and that, that drew high marks from Dan Campbell and some others, but we saw the drop. He wasn't on the same page with the quarterback. I, I can't remember if it was golf yeah. or Sudfeld on another play as well. That was down the field. Um, so there's things to work out and it's May 25 and it's a guy who's played, you know, uh, what, six games in the NFL. He only started one season in college. Like these things are understandable, but he needs reps and now he's going to miss more reps because of the suspension. And I think that it's a, just a, it's a real blow to him and in, in this offense. Um, I'm going into the season. I think that goes without saying, if I don't have to dwell too much on that, that's pretty obvious. We did talk to JMO after practice and I give JMO a lot of credit for um for doing that on day one um I'm guessing it wasn't his choice <laughs> I would say but, that's safe to assume <laughs> but I will give him credit for uh walking up to us like I mean he had gone back in the building uh, to handle some stuff and he came back out to talk to the reporters and he knew the kinds of questions that were coming and he stood there for about 10 11 minutes and answered he, he he answered all the questions until there were no more questions, which isn't always common. A lot of times those things get cut off. And so, again, I give him credit. I give the Lions credit for whatever role they had in making that happen. Um, that is a version of accountability that we've heard regarding JMO, that he's taking accountability. Right. Although I also heard personally, this is just my my opinion, like like I, I, I think he is struggling in other ways to take accountability for his actions as well. He really was a pretty evasive, a lot of questions about, you know, how much he gambles, what he gambles on, where he gambles. Like he didn't just say, I don't want to talk about it. He said, I don't, you know, he didn't know if he'd been on college basketball or football. Like that just seems to me pretty evasive and not exactly truthful. Maybe he doesn't have to be truthful or forthright on this stuff. Maybe it doesn't matter. I think in the grand scheme, if he's catching touchdowns and, and racking up yards, it just doesn't matter. Listen, Lion's opinion and their relationship with JMO, that's what matters. It's not his relationship with the media or the public. But, you know, for them to say he's being accountable and then he goes out there during his interview for 10 minutes, 11 minutes. And really, he definitely said, I made a mistake, but he never um, really copped the mistake, never said, this is what I did. This is what I bet on. This is why it was a mistake. Um, it wasn't there, Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should just play some of the audio. I know, I know people love JMO too. Like, and I, and I, there's a lot of good things. So I'm not trying to come down too hard on the guy. Uh, there's a lot of good things that he said too. But let's just listen to JMO a little bit from after practice yesterday. The suspension is pretty much it is what it is. Uh, the policy, I broke a policy. Uh, I pretty much look forward, I look past those things. I'm just happy to be out here, get this time with my guys. I didn't get a chance to do last year. I'm happy I get a chance to do that. Why so. did you look past it though? When you, if you knew the rules. Uh, gamble in it was pretty it was pretty much like consequences was handed to me uh it, it was nothing i could you know i didn't want to stress myself out any more than it was so i just look forward to the better days the happy days like like i said being out here with my teammates getting a chance to do things i didn't get to do last year we recovering from the acl and things like that what you learn from the whole experience uh just make the right decisions you know uh it was something that i wasn't aware of but it caught me uh and it was just make the right decisions, you know. Where were you at? I'm not sure on any of those things. Uh, I, it just came up with me. <laughs> you want to share the details or you don't know? No, I'm, I'm not sure. 
<laughs> Jamo, do you do you have a chance to appeal that? Is it something you're considering at all? Uh, it wasn't. I just left it alone. Uh, things, things. They they gave me six games, and we left it at that. Uh, I'm just looking forward to coming back week seven, getting back with my team out there playing the game. Before we break from you, just to clarify, do you remember anything about what you did to violate it or where you were? Nah, nah. Some people may see that as that you were gambling frequently. Nah, no, no freaking gambling. I'm not a gambler. I'm a football player. Was it bet on college football, basketball? Nah, I'm not sure, bro. That was my fault. That was a while ago. You weren't aware of the rule. No, sir. So yeah, Ben. I, I don't. How much of that were you there for, for JMO? I left Anzalone at the end to go watch JMO. And I, I'll say it was a weird flavor of accountability because to us and to the public, it was like the Lions flashed a men in black light in front of his eyes before he came out and talked to us because it's like, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I'm a football player. I'm not a gambler, but like, I don't remember. I didn't know I violated a rule. And that's, that's the point I'm going to, I find it very like, that's the point where he needs to be open and honest. Did you know you violated a rule? Because I find it, really freaking hard to believe that these players weren't schooled on this once, twice, maybe three times. So it's just like, I find it very impossible to know that he did not know that rule. And so I found that's where my, I, my eyes were kind of like, what's going on here? Like, I don't remember. I didn't know I violated a rule. It completely took me by storm. I don't remember what I bet on. It happened so long ago. I don't remember what I bet on, how much, how often, anything. So it was, I made a mistake, full stop. And so it's just, I mean, yeah, I, I give him all the credit. And for a JMO meeting with us, it was one of the better JMO ones on the JMO scale. That's not saying a lot right now, but it was, uh, it was but yeah, it's just a weird flavor of accountability. Maybe it's different for his teammates and his coaches, and maybe that's all that matters to the Lions. I think that's, yeah. Well, I will say he, he definitely said that he didn't know the rule. I will say with certainty, uh, based on conversations I've had with people in, around um, with certainty, I, I feel very comfortable saying that he was educated on the rule. Maybe he didn't hear it or understand it, but it, those words were told to him. Uh, and I can say that with certainty. So him not knowing the rule is on him. He either flaked out in a meeting or didn't fully grapple with uh, what he was being told. Um, and with the Calvin Ridley suspension from last year, like, uh, I mean, a re Alabama receiver, by the way, like there's not really um, an excuse for not knowing the gambling policy at this point, especially when it's your job. Like you're coming into the league. Yeah, you have to know the rules. Everyone's playing by the same rules. Now, having said that, it's worth noting that three other Lions players also um, also were uh, suspended, right? Um, yeah. Stanley Berryhill for betting on non-NFL games. And then uh, CJ Moore and Quintus Cephas both bet on NFL games. All those guys are gone now. So, you know, it's worth noting, like maybe there is a genuinely a breakdown in the way the Lions or the NFL is is educating the players on the gambling policy because several members of their team um, violated the policy, uh, including other members of the organization who have been fired. Um, so worth noting, it's not just JMO. Uh, but JMO, I think, is showing a lack of maturity maybe in his decision making or just in his being um because he is whether he understands it or not um he's a pro and not just a pro but he's a he's a star pro uh based on where he was drafted based on his talent uh, the expectations are extraordinary um so i everything we're saying here ben like there's nothing terminal it, it doesn't have to this doesn't have to be like define his career um whatsoever like he's got a lot of career left 
a lot of time left to mature and to grow up. I think I heard a little more maturity yesterday than I did um, last year. I mean, I, I think there's some growing up that's that's already occurred. And I, I just think that there's more growing up that also still has to occur. He was also asked about a social media and some of the likes and his activity on there, which includes yeah. liking a tweet about uh, Lamar Jackson being the Lions quarterback. He's liked tweets about like, free JMO shirts, which again, shows a lack of accountability for what he did. Um, and he was asked about that kind of stuff. I mean, there's been some really questionable content. I'll, I'll just leave it at that on, on his social, especially Insta. Um, and he really shrugged off like, oh, it's just social media. It's not real life. That to me sounds like lack of maturity. Like th- th- it's 2023. This is real life. Uh, this is actual life, especially when you're in the in the spotlight, which fair or not, he decidedly is. I just think that there are like legitimate reasons to be a little bit concerned at this point about his decision making. I heard more maturity yesterday and having more maturity going forward. And and I would just say gravity for his own uh, role on this team, importance to this team and to the city uh, is, is really is critical for him. Yeah. I mean, he's a 22 year old kid. I think he just turned 22 and you got to hope that stuff like this does mature. I mean, you got to hope that maybe the lions put more of an emphasis on maybe just working with him, teaching him things like social media training, because like, yeah, it is social media. It's not real life, but you are crossing the line, like on some of that stuff where you're making it real life by some of the things you're posting on social media. So, I mean, there's work to be done on and off the field. And it's just, like you said, it's okay to be concerned now because a year and a half of this contract has been lit on fire. He's got one catch, one touchdown, and a year and a half of that contract is like, so the time is now, man, and he's running out of time. And it's going to be really hard not to think about Jamison Williams week one in Kansas City when the Lions need every freaking piece of firepower on the face of the earth to keep up with that team. So, I mean... I mean, this ain't your redshirt year. You don't get two redshirt years in the NFL. You got to pick it up the second he's back on the field. And it's just kind of like, I saw the same JMO on the field, a little better route running that I did yesterday. But like, there's, there's work to be done off and on the field. And it is definitely time to be a little more than concerned. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I'm just regular concerned. I'm not, I'm not. More no, yeah. I'm, I'm from not concerned to regular concerned. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elsewhere on offense, Ben, like I, I will say for, for the struggles we saw with JMO's, um, you know, timing with the offense uh, and drops and whatnot, he is still the fastest guy I've ever seen wear Honolulu blue. Yeah. And yeah. the next closest could be Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing those guys on the same field on Thursday. And listen, Gibbs had a drop. Uh, he got overthrown by Goff on a gorgeous little route uh, down the sideline like I, like it's not like they're like uh, flying all over the place making these huge plays but it's may and you're just looking at like traits my god like I, I know we've been wringing our hands over positional value and stuff like that after the draft but seeing jameer gibbs and and jameson williams on the same field just dusting folks um Jameer Gibbs was the uh, top pass catching running back in college football last year. Like these guys can line up all over the place and just burn folks. Uh, you can understand why um, the excitement is there for what this offense could be with, with Gibbs in the fold. Yeah. And uh, you got to see a couple of two running back sets yesterday. And I think that's music to people's ears, especially the second you see Gibbs run. I mean, I saw him line up out wide a couple of times and it's just like, 
Yes, that's fantastic. I also, uh, speaking of the offense, just just I just love watching Ben Johnson's offense. I mean, literally lining up tight ends out wide, motioning them into the backfield as a fullback, sending your running back out wide on the same play, but just fun stuff like that. But yeah, Gibbs is Gibbs is a Gibbs is a different type of athlete. I I would I was pretty kind of surprised by how much faster he was than DeAndre Swift, who I thought was a pretty remar- remarkable athlete too. But there's some straight line speed with Gibbs that uh, haven't really seen like that in a minute outside of JMO. So I, it's funny you mentioned all that because I, I, I look up, I looked up the multiple running back sets from Detroit last year. So they were in 21 personnel. 21 personnel is two running backs on the field, one tight end. They were in those formations 10% of the time, and they were in 22 personnel, which is two running backs, one tight end, just 1% of the time. So approximately 11%, maybe 12% of their formations last year had two running backs on the field, uh, extremely low, and yeah. is unpredictable as I would say as the offense was last year in a good way right like keeping um defenses off balance and whatnot like they leaned really heavily on one running back sets I don't I don't think we saw a lot of um Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift on the field at the same time at all that's going to be a thing that's different this year with this offense and I think it's going to I mean they have basically everyone back and they've added new playmakers um there is a lot to feel good about plus at receiver with Marvin Jones uh, our old friend um yeah, number zero but in addition <laughs> to all of that Ben um it's it's not just it's not just that it's they have new capabilities, new new pages of the playbook they can dive into that's going to help keep this offense fresh and evolving. Um, ahead of you know the defenses that are trying to catch up with them and I thought Dan was pretty good on that point um, and so like maybe maybe we can uh, get to that quote real quick and, and wrap this thing up I think across the board you know what's you know if you're Ben or AG man you got some pieces now that um, in that room yeah we got depth but some of that depth may be starting in certain packages that's that's the beauty of it man it's one thing to have the depth if you get an injury but man if you can keep everybody healthy and now um shoot man offensively you got different packages you add a tight end now we can we can live in 13 personnel more uh you know you got you got gibbs he comes along montgomery you can run some more two back with two h's in the game you know uh the receiver thing, you get JMO back, you know, we, we've, we got Marvin, now you, maybe we go some 10 personnel. And so you just maximize your personnel, your roster. I mean, defensively, you know, having Sutton, we get Mosley healthy, CJ Gardner-Johnson. Uh, I mean, we, we got a lot more versatility uh, and that does come with the depth. I, it's hard not to be excited <laughs> about what this offense could be. The, the, expectations will be titanic next year ben and it's really hard not to see like it's, it's hard to see how they won't live up to that hype on that side of the ball for me it really does come down to can the defense be even competent because if it can if that's the base level and they can play at least competent football halfway through the league uh this team's gonna win a hell of a lot of games yeah and for me the offense the only thing that it's jared goff you need that same jared goff you need that same jared goff because i mean the the pieces are there the offensive line is there everything is there you get that same jared goff this is going to be one of the best units in the league that's what we got maybe we could just uh, as we wrap up here ben uh, circle back and let the people know one more time how they can reach us on on subtext because we're going to be pulling questions from there and story ideas from there there's going to be a close relationship between the podcast and um subtext which again is like basically you can just text us directly we can text you back so how can people uh sign up for that 
look for any of our stories on mlive.com slash lions. We're throwing it in there, but go to joinsubtext.com slash dungeon of doom. That's joinsubtext, S-U-B-T-E-X-T dot com slash the dungeon of doom. We're off on a 14-day free trial, $4.99 a month after that. You're going to get text straight from us, straight from Corey Woods when he's back in the fold. I mean, we're going to be trying to make that, like you said, a marriage with the podcast, insider news, anything like that. It's uh, It's been a really good time to talk with some people, but yeah, join subtext.com slash dungeon of doom. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.